Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, hey, good morning, church. God is at work. God is at work. He's doing things we can see, things we can't see. He's doing all kinds of beautiful things, and we get to kind of catch hints and glimpses of it, don't we? And so it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord, to be worshiping together, to be giving this time to God, because it makes a difference that we do that. You know, the scriptures say that God is, uh, he inhabits the praises of his people, and he's glad in our praise. So our praise, our singing, our, our, our worshiping, our singing about his victory, our singing, I surrender all, that all makes God glad. And then once he's glad, we feel his joy, and we're caught up in this kind of incredible loop of, uh, of God's, God's goodness. And sometimes you believe it all, and God's so happy, and sometimes you just believe like a little bit of it, and you hear the person next to you singing like they believe all of it, <laughs> and God is so happy with your, your little mustard seed of faith that you bring to him this morning. So I hope you know the pre- pleasure of the Lord as we're gathered together. Hey, there's some, uh, these cards under your... Um, well, on your seat, I should say. And that's why you're feeling a little uncomfortable sitting where you're sitting, is that if you reach underneath, you're going to find one of these. And what are these? These are invite cards. In two weeks, we begin our series for Christmas, My Hope is Built. If you look at this card, you're going to see a little kind of like a stone box in the middle of a cave. What's going on? Uh, Does anybody know what that is? It's a manger, yeah. The manger that Jesus was laid in in, uh, in in ancient Jerusalem, in ancient Bethlehem, it would not have been like a wood frame, little flimsy little thing. It was a, a solid stone structure that they carved out. That's how they fed animals in those days. And so our hope is built on a solid rock. Our hope is built on Jesus. So I'd like you to take this card. Our ask is that you would take this and that you would give it as an invitation to somebody who needs to know that God holds the future. That might just be enough to, to, to prime your pump a little bit and be praying for someone who needs to know that God holds the future. As we turn to 2 Thessalonians today, as we continue in this, uh, in this series, we're looking at every verse of this small letter. We're going to turn to chapter 2, verse 13. And I encourage you, open your Bible, turn on your Bible, grab a Bible, Uh, you're going to be well served to have the scripture in front of you today. This is one of those days where you will either leave here in a half an hour saying, what on earth was he talking about? Or, wow, I I see a bunch of stuff in that scripture. So I encourage you to have the Bible in front of you. And as we open the word of God, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, open our hearts to your word. We thank you that you love our worship. We thank you that you are made glad. And we pray, Lord, that you would, in that celebration and joy, soften our hearts Soften our hearts to receive your word as a seed of eternal life through Jesus our Lord. And the church said, Amen. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2 at verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope 
encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. We're grateful for God's word. Amen? Christ's perseverance. Christ's perseverance. That's our message this morning. Last week we heard, hold on to Jesus. Jesus is holding on to you. Anybody remember that? Let's say that together. Hold on to Jesus. Jesus is holding on to you. Much more than how, how much you can hold on to Jesus when you feel like your grip is slipping. Guess what? There's somebody who knows his grip is never going to fail. You hold on to Jesus. It has much more to do with his strength than with yours. And so this week, it takes us a little deeper that our perseverance, our ability to be steadfast, our ability to stand firm and to hold on and to, and to be rooted and to carry on to the end of the race It depends not so much on our strength, but on our connection with Jesus. Are you connected? Are you connected? Sometimes I travel and uh, I go to speak somewhere else and, or I'm, I am traveling and I, I need to come home and speak to, you know, to us guys. And, and either way, sometimes I'm working on my notes on the plane. I need to, uh, to sort of go through my notes and get ready. And, and so I bring a laptop and I open it up because a lot of the slides and the notes and the things that we work with, uh, they, they exist in the cloud. And, and so I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but just because you're in a plane doesn't mean you're in the cloud, okay? And, and so sometimes I have this big anxiety. This is my confession now. All these little files and things that I work with, I don't always know whether they live on my laptop or in the cloud. Is anybody with me? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I know I'm supposed to know, but I'm confessing to you, I don't always know. And so I get on the plane and I kind of open it up and I think, I'm going to do some great work here. And then I've got this huge anxiety that flushes over me. <laughs> Am I going to even be able to get that? Or is it in the cloud? Because I'm not connected. I'm not connected. Now, for some of you, that makes me sound really young and hip. <laughs> But for others of you, who, you know, my, a lot of my staff, for example, who are younger than me, that makes me sound like the helpless old dude who, how are we going to help him, you know, make it through? Oh, my goodness. He has no idea. How are we going to help the old dude? And to you, I say this. I programmed a lot of VCRs in my day. <laughs> And I never missed a show. I never missed a show. So, hey, you know, I, I can cut it. I can cut it. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Are you connected? Are you connected? Because your ability to make it through, your ability to hold steadfast, it's going to depend not on you. It's going to depend on if you're connected to Christ's perseverance. At no point in the Christian life does Christ turn to you and say, well, I got you this far, but from here you're on your own. 
At no point in the Christian life does Jesus turn to you and say, well, good luck from here. I'll see you on the other side. From here, it all depends on you. It never happens. He never says that. Why? Because there is no point at which it all depends on you. And we're not used to that. We have a hard time grasping that. We have a hard time believing that. Why? Because we're used to everything depending on us. In fact, everywhere we go, it depends on us. It depends on what I bring to the table. It depends on how well I I hold out, how much strength I've got, how much capability I've got. It all depends on me. And in fact, there's part of it, the part of that is something that our heart likes. I like it to depend on me. There's a part of us that wants to be independent and totally unreliant. We don't need to rely on anybody outside of us. No person, no thing. Not even God. We want to rely on ourselves. I think in in some ways, some would say that the root of all sin is our desire to be autonomous and entirely independent from God. We want to be on our own. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I make my own choices. I bear my own consequences. I am the master of my fate. The Bible says not so much. Not exactly. If you want to make it through, if you want to make it through to the end of the race, if you want to be steadfast, you need Christ's perseverance. You need to learn to hide. You you need to learn to rest in, believe in, trust in, connect with, Christ's perseverance. Verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. There's so much in this verse, people. There's so much in this. There's some important naming going on in this verse. Some naming along with critical insight into what salvation even means. Critical naming. There's naming. There's naming here. It says says, uh, you are named. You're named something different. It starts out, we give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, fellow children of God, family, you see. We're in the family of God, the household of God. You're named. And we give thanks for you, brothers and sisters, who are loved by the Lord. Beloved, that's a name. Beloved by God. I want you just to, I'm trying just to pause to let you, let you marinate in that a little bit. Do you believe that name? Beloved by God, who are chosen. Brothers and sisters, beloved, who are chosen for salvation, Chosen as first fruits. See, chosen. Beloved, because God chose you, it says. Because God chose you, God drew near to you. God befriended you. When you, didn't want to be, when you were an enemy of God, he, he named himself a friend to you. He befriended you. He chose you. He reached out to you. He, he pulled you close. Chosen. God chose you as what? As first fruits. First fruits. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean God picked the best, like the first fruits? Imagine God going down the produce aisle and he comes to like the apple cart. He says, 
I think I'll take the good ones. You know, I'm going to reach in. I'm going to take the good, the first fruits, the good fruits off the top, the nice ones. Is that what God did when he was reaching into your life? That's not at all what that means. What God did was he said, you're the first fruits. That means you're the first of many. That means I'm, I'm bringing you, I'm pouring my grace out on you so that it'll be an inspiration to all those who are behind you who need to know that my grace can reach them. You're the first fruits, first of many. It's as though saying, look, what I want to do is I want people to see me in your life so that they can say, if God can save Tim, right? If he can save Tim, well, then there's hope for me. You know, God's grace can reach me because I know, I know that that's first fruits. Now, four names. What are we named? We're named Beloved. We're named Chosen. We're named Saved now. Saved. Saved. And we're named First Fruits. Saved. It says, chosen as First Fruits to be saved. To be saved. Do we save ourselves? No. We are saved. We are to be saved. It's as passive as a a child was born. It's as passive as a man was pulled, a drowning man was pulled from the waters. It's that passive. We are saved. Jesus saves. That's the sum of the gospel. In fact, his very name Jesus means God saves. So we we are saved, and that's God naming us. He's naming us beloved, chosen, saved, first fruits. Keep going. We're saved through, through two things. The sanctifying work of the Spirit and through, say this together, belief in the truth. And then it goes on into verse 14. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what's happening? How are we saved? How are we saved? Through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and through belief in the truth. Through the Spirit and through belief. Okay, lean in because we're going deep here. How does salvation work? How can it come to pass that someone can be saved, that their name can be changed? How can it come to pass that, that someone who doesn't know God can know God and come into the family of God? How can it come to pass? You see, contact with God is impossible while there is sin in between us. Contact with God is impossible when we are steeped in our sin. Why? Because God is perfectly holy, perfectly divine. And for him to come into contact with us, when we are steeped in sin, we would be snuffed out like darkness is snuffed out by light. It would just be, we'd be gone. And so it isn't that God doesn't love us. It isn't that God's arm is too short to reach us and save us. But our sin has separated us from the presence and the love of God. But it is possible for God to move in our lives because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and made it possible for us to come into communion with God. And so what does that mean? That means that even when we are far from the Lord, the Holy Spirit can come and work in our lives. The Holy Spirit can come and work in our lives. He can come and intervene. And what does that Spirit do? That Spirit is the Holy Spirit. That Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit makes things holy. It's in His name. So everywhere the Holy Spirit goes is a sanctifying ministry. And how does the Holy Spirit make holy? First, He 
He preaches to our hearts the truth that we are justified and forgiven by what Christ has done on the cross. The Holy Spirit preaches to your heart. You may hear a thousand times in your life, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Jesus died on the cross for the love of the world. Jesus died on the cross. You may hear it a thousand times until the Holy Spirit preaches that to your heart and you believe it. So the Holy Spirit comes with a sanctifying ministry and he preaches justification to our hearts and forgiveness. And then he works in the believer's life to change the things that we want and the things that we desire and our habits and our choices and to make us different and to make our lives better. But we are saved. I want you to understand this. We are saved as soon as we come home to God in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are saved in an instant. Take it, the apple cart again. It isn't that God comes down and selects an apple and says, maybe I can polish this one up, you know? And so, you know, if I can polish it enough, you know, and if I can get it, you know, good enough, then, then it'll, be, it'll be good enough to enter into my table. No, no, no. When God reaches into your life, he saves you. And you are saved. And you are beloved for eternal life from the very first instant. And what happens at the first instant? It's right there in the scriptures. You believe in the truth. You're saved by the sanctifying work of the Spirit and by belief in the truth. Now this gets us right into that great mystery of salvation, right? Who is doing the saving? Am I saving or is God saving? Who's doing the work of salvation? It's a great mystery. And what's happening is there's two layers, folks. There's two layers, and they're both well represented in this passage. God is at work by the sanctifying work of his Spirit, and you are believing the truth. You're believing the truth. And both things are happening. See, when you're face front, this is how we experience it. When you're facing front, you, you, you face front and you say, okay, I'm in a place of deciding. And I, I decide for Jesus. And I choose to trust Jesus. And I give my life to Jesus. And I put my faith in Jesus. And I know that putting my faith in Jesus, I am saved. You see? But you walk along a few steps, friends. And you turn around and you look back. And you realize, I thought I was this autonomous man, just, just forming my own fate. I thought I was this, just this self-defined person out there on my own. And God was reaching into my life all along with his mercy and grace. And he saved me. So I have no reason to boast. God reached down and saved my soul. He yanked me like a, like a drowning puppy yanked out of the, of the river. God reached into my life and he grabbed a hold of me. And I don't know why. I didn't deserve it. And I didn't do anything to merit it. And I didn't earn it. And, and so I have nothing to boast about. I was saved. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift. Can we say that together? The gift of God. Not by works. You don't work your way into this. So that no one can boast. Some of you sit here this very morning, facing front in a position of decision. Can I trust Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? Can I, 
Can I give Jesus my life? You need to decide. You need to decide. And one day, if you take his hand, you might look back and see God was after you. His love was pursuing you. He was reaching into your life all along. Amen. There's a lot who testified. Now, uh, hey, we better get going. Good job, Pastor Tim. Two verses so far. Let's go. Two verses. Let's get to verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Okay. What are the first two words of that, of that verse? Say them together. So then. Those are critical. On this basis, on this grounds, because of this truth that we have just established, on the foundation of what we have just said, that God is at work, that God is faithful, that His grace is moving, because of that, so then, stand firm, you see? Because God is standing firm, you be steadfast. How can I possibly keep steadfast? How can I be the one who stays rooted? How can I be the one who doesn't slip when the whole world is slipping away from Jesus? So then, it's because God is at work that you can be steadfast. Verse 16, so may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement. It doesn't run out. And good hope, solid hope, not a pipe dream, not a little whistle in the dark thing. Good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Does it all depend on me? How about turn to God? How about trust in Christ's perseverance? How about hide in the steadfastness of God when you need to hold steadfast? Now chapter 3, it goes on. As for many other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Paul says, basically says, pray for us now because we're going to keep sharing this message of what Jesus has done. And the message has got to go out. And just like it hits your heart and your heart was open to it, that message has got to go to more and more and more people. And I'm praying that it goes rapidly, like rapid fire, like wildfire, across the landscape, across our city. Why? Because if the message doesn't go out, if the word doesn't go forward, if we don't share the good news of what Jesus Christ has done, well, then there's no words around which for someone to put their trust and faith. There's no message of the gospel that's coming to them through which the Holy Spirit can, can reach into their mind and reach into their heart and pull them into grace. You see, they've got no they've got no message of the gospel, no knowledge of the gospel. They've got no light of Christ in their life because we're not sharing the message of Jesus. And so he says, would you pray for us? And pray for one another. Pray for each other. Pray for the church that the message of the good news of Jesus would keep going and that it would be heard as good news by your neighbor, by your friend, by your your locker buddy at school, whoever. That it go like wildfire. Friends, this is a prayer for revival, revival, that the Spirit of God would spread that gospel message and touch every, every heart. So pray for us that it may happen and catch fire and spread. And pray, verse 2, that we're not cut up by wicked people because you know what? Not everybody has faith. But we're not too worried about that. Why? Verse 3, because the Lord is faithful 
and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in who? In the Lord. That's where our confidence is. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. The Lord is faithful and we have confidence in him. So finally, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. For those of you who like to scribble in your Bibles, make little notes. This is God's love. Agape love. Agape is the Greek word. This fathomless love that never stops rushing towards you and never runs out, never gives up, fighting for you. This agape love that never ceases moving towards you. May the Lord direct your heart into it in Christ's perseverance. That's our word steadfast. That's our word hupomone. We learned about two weeks ago. Remember that though the weight on your shoulders is heavy, your knees don't buckle and you stand firm. May the Lord direct your hearts. And why, do we, why does our heart need direction? Friends, because when the weight comes in, your heart, your heart will it'll send you in all kinds of directions. But may the Lord direct you to the love of God and the perseverance of Jesus Christ. I was on my way into work on Tuesday morning and got a call and is one of my very best friends in the world. He's a pastor in Atlanta. And uh, he was stressed, he was discouraged because of uh, a sudden departure from uh, a leader on, on the staff at church. And, and, uh, and he said to me, Tim, if I'm honest with you, if I'm honest with you, what my heart wants to do is run away. May the Lord direct your heart into the love of God and Christ's perseverance. Hold on. Stay steadfast. Though the weight is heavy, your knees won't buckle. I was coming through the door of the church and a woman here in the church who runs one of our our caring ministries here in the church stopped me and said, Pastor Tim, would you encourage me? I'm just tired. I'm tired from running this ministry and all the demands of that. And she said, would you encourage me? And I, and, I, and I said a word to her. I wished I had done, you know, better. I was kind of on my heels uh, of encouraging her. And, uh, and, and I, uh, you know, but the message was the same. Hang on. Hold steadfast. Though the weight is heavy, the knees won't give. The Lord is good and may he direct your heart to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Because it's not going to depend on you. It's going to depend on Jesus. We have confidence in the Lord and his steadfastness. Eric Liddell won the gold medal for the the 400-meter run in the 1924 Summer Olympics in Paris, France. But the funny thing about that is that he never trained for for the the 400 meter. He trained for the 100 meter. But when the schedule came out of when the races were to be run, the 100 meter race was to be held on a Sunday. And in his heart, he had a deep conviction that Sunday was the Lord's day. It was for his glory, not for competition or for sports. So he withdrew his name from the Olympic race. He said, I'll be in church 
that day's for the Lord. The Olympic Committee, they, they said, uh, well, would you run a different race on another day? Run the 400 for us. He said, sure. So here's footage of Eric Liddell running that race. He jumped out of the, of the blocks in that race, and he was running so fast, he's on the outside uh, lane, he's running so fast that everybody was saying he's going to kill himself running that hard for 400 meters. But he kept going. See how fast he's going? <laughs> he burned it up. And he kept going and he kept going all the way around. And, and, and he hit the tape. Here he comes. Boof. That's not him. He's the guy who hit the tape. <laughs> that other guy had a bad day. He fell. He fell just like five feet from the end. But Eric Liddell, he hit the tape, and he broke the record, and he took the gold. When he was asked later, how do you do it, this is what he said. He said, the secret of my success over the 400 meter is that I run the first 200 meters as fast as I can. Then, for the second 200 meters, with God's help, I run faster. What are we supposed to say to that? Do you give credence to that? What does that mean? God makes people run fast? Is that what that means? You know, God is the secret power pack for Olympic gold? Is that, you know, God is my Red Bull? God gives me wings? <laughs> what are we supposed to say to that? I don't think that's what he was saying. But I think he meant what he was saying. That Eric, he looked to God for strength. And when he trusted God for strength, he found that his faith was well-placed and that Jesus could hold him. Eric Liddell was born in 1902 in inland China to missionary parents, and as soon as the Olympics were over, he returned to China to continue in that ministry and to share the good news of Jesus with that people, and there he was faithful to the end of his life. He died in a Japanese internment camp in 1945, and his life bears witness his life is a testimony. It wasn't, it wasn't, hey, God, help me win the Olympics. For his life, he looked to God for strength and he found God sure. It wasn't Eric using God for Eric's glory. No, no. It was, it was God using Eric for God's glory. So I want to ask you, do you want to run the race that you can run? Or do you want to see the race that God can run through you? Do you want to do what, what you can do? Or do you want to see what God can do when you put your trust and your faith in Christ's perseverance. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on your strength or your merits or your ability to carry through. It depends on Christ and his ability to persevere and to finish what he started and to do what he said. It depends not on your strength, but on Jesus Christ, who is steadfast. Lord, direct my heart to the love of God and Christ's perseverance. It all depends on Him. 
And can you put your faith in that? Can you trust Jesus to finish what he started? Can you trust Jesus to persevere? If it depends on him, does Jesus know how to run the race all the way to the end? Can you trust him? Let's review. Jesus, the Son of God, stepped down from heaven, leaving all divine glories. And he came down from heaven, as the Bible says, he emptied himself to take on human nature in the form of a helpless babe. That's not easy, but he persevered. And in his ministry, he was opposed at every step. And people belittled him, and they lied about him, and they, they, they chastised him. And the only people that he could gather to support him was this ragtag group of doubting tax collectors and fishermen. That's not easy. But he persevered. And when religious authorities colluded with, with Roman occupying forces to, to try Jesus in an unjust trial on trumped up charges and have him arrested and beaten and taken away that's not easy but he persevered and when Jesus hung there pinned to the cross and his heart was collapsing inside of him his lungs filling with fluid choking out his very life he didn't give up He persevered. And when the grave tried to hold him and death tried to lay claim, he persevered and he rose again. And friends, when you and I, children of God, when we turned from him, denied his name and walked our own paths towards our own self-destruction, he didn't give up. He didn't give up. He persevered and he sent his spirit. He sent his spirit into your life to give you a word of hope, a word of encouragement, to turn you around and to name you beloved, friend, child of God. Can you trust in the perseverance of Christ? Christ's perseverance is steadfast. Lord Jesus, all glory to your name. You never give up. And you never gave up on me. You've never given up on any of us, Lord Jesus. In every challenge, you persevered. And so we can trust when everything else is slipping away that you are a sure and certain place, our salvation, our rock, and our hope is founded on you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd move into every heart, that you would help us to, to believe, that you would help us to understand your presence your love pouring into our lives. Help us, Lord, to believe in the truth and to trust in your grace. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the First Prez podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.